0: By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.ValleyBaitMidrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. I'd like to be here with my friend and colleague, Rabbi Arya Bernstein, who, among many other talents, and occupations, uh, teaches a lot of Torah and social justice spaces, and serves as the director of the Avodah Justice Fellowship. Thanks for taking time to talk.
1: My pleasure. Thanks to me.
0: So four years ago, we, um, we talked, I interviewed you on the topic of slave reparations, right. and since then, um, you've taught about that, but in particular, you wrote an article in Medium, which I will link to below. Um, on this issue, um, which has, has stirred many others to think about the issue as well. The Torah case for reparations. Torah case for reparations on, in Medium. So let's start in the abstract, just on the Torah front. How do we, as a basic Jewish framework, think about this issue? Are we responsible for the sins of our ancestors?
1: That's a good question, because I, I actually didn't really address that. That's the obvious question at the end of the article, where the article you know really goes through all the the Torah passages around the Israelites' departure from Egypt and taking a lot of property from the Egyptians and the fact that um, the rabbinic tradition clearly understood that as sloppy reparations because there wasn't going to be a claims committee or whatever. And so I can understand a kind of response that looks at that and says, yeah, definitely Torah, our, our whole Torah identity is based on reparations and there's a whole future to that. And similarly here, if we were talking about like in 1875, the Jewish tradition would have to articulate for reparations here. But what about now? A lot of people say, like, I never own slaves, God forbid. I never enslaved people. I was never connected to that. Um, Even Jim Crow, I'm so far removed. Is it still relevant after all this time? So what I've been thinking about in the last couple of years about that, I think... I, I want to start with um, a surprising overlooked moment in the Yom Kippur liturgy when right before we say the Ashamnu the, um, Bagadnu, the, the Vidui, the Confession, we introduce it by saying, Aval Anachnu V'Avotenu Chatanu, in most versions of the liturgy. Um, indeed, we and our ancestors have sinned. It's an interesting question. What does it mean to specifically mention our ancestors? Why the yom kippur? It's about our personal accountability for everything that we've done. And you know, if you look in the fifth chapter of VaYikra of Leviticus, um, where it goes through a person's responsibilities for any time they commit a sin, it's like right then you have to confess your individual sin and bring a sacrifice. And similarly, in the sixteenth chapter of VaYikra, the laws. Um, for Yom Kippur, for the annual uh, purge. Also, you—it says it's very individualistic language. Confess your personal sins and bring an offering. In the twenty-sixth chapter of VaYikra, which is the curses, um, what's described there is this cyclical, like really gruesome pattern of the entire nation being sunken in all sorts of terrible, sinful life. A lot of it is even described very generally. It doesn't even often always say with great particularity what sins, but sinful life and refusing to repent and getting deeper and deeper enmeshed in it. And around verse 39 or 40 there in chapter 26, um, the Torah says that at this deep level of continued punishment after a continued sinning, um, they will melt away, the people will melt away in their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. And finally after that, they will confess their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. And Chazal, the rabbis in the Midrash on this verse, on the Sifra, ask really the same question you opened with, like, why should we be responsible for the sins of our ancestors? of like the sins that they're doing, but why are they melting away for the sins mm-hmm. of their ancestors? In fact, that contradicts the Torah. The Torah says in the book of Devarim, very famously, mm-hmm. like parents right. cannot be executed for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Individual responsibility. How can it be that here in Vayigra, the Torah is saying that the punishment will include? Uh, uh, punishment for the sins of the ancestors and the answer in the Midrash is that this applies whenever people are tofsim when you're still grabbing on mm-hmm. to the sins of their mm-hmm. ancestors children can't be punished for the sins of their ancestors to the extent that they're separate sins. Mm-hmm. so put it in very you know concrete terms mm-hmm. like if my find out a, 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 a my 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 grandfather smoked cigarettes, and I think smoking cigarettes is forbidden by Jewish law. I'm not responsible for that. Or my grandparents ate treif. The the return to Judaism came later in my family. My grandparents ate treif. I'm not responsible for that, theologically. That's what Zavariah is coming to tell us. Children can't be um, executed for or held accountable for the sins of their ancestors. They made their choices. They face accountability in whatever ways they do, based on your theology. And I have my own life. However, what if my ancestors um, stole money or defrauded somebody, and and then bequeathed the money to my parents, mm-hmm. who then had you know were able to create a trust fund, and then I was able mm-hmm. to continue to benefit from it. Or I went into the family business that was built on this wealth. So that's where I think um, Mm -hmm. you're seeing more uh, the the subtler cases where Vayigra comes in. And where the Rambam and Rabbeinu Yonah and other postgame legal authorities who deal with uh, um, Yom Kippur law, Shuva law, uh, repentance law, say Yeah, to whatever extent people are still holding on to the sins of their ancestors, they're responsible for the sins of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. Now, you look at America today, so the formal institution of slavery ended in 1865, but... It's impossible to say, and I think we've had amazing literature written in the last in recent years, really putting numbers on the degree to which the um, the ideology and the oppressive frameworks represented by slavery have continued to exist in American life in different forms through the Jim Crow laws, through contract selling, through housing discrimination, mm-hmm. the housing crisis of 2008, and right. on and on and on. White supremacy is still very much alive and well, certainly through the criminal justice system. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, the, there are, read Michelle Alexander and ta Coates and many other people in terms of like really seeing the clarity mm-hmm. of the case on that, Brian Stevenson. But, um, but once that's clear, um, can we really say that we're not holding on to the sins Mm -hmm. of our ancestors. So I think the the simplest cases are like, you know, there are universities, University of Chicago and Johns Hopkins, and uh, I think Johns Hopkins, maybe not Johns Hopkins, Georgetown, Harvard, where there have been reparations committees based on the fact that the university was founded Mm -hmm. or built up with slavery money, and that has continued to to play forward. Um, But I think more broadly in American society, um, the wealth of America is inconceivable without the institution of slavery and the successive institutions post-slavery of white supremacy Uh and structural racism. Um, And we're all to different degrees of... There are different degrees of complicity, but it's really spread throughout the society. Uh There's one girsa, one textual variant of the Midrash that doesn't say tofsim be'avonot avotam, holding on to the sins of their ancestors, but tfusim, in the grip of the sins of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. If that's the version of the Midrash, then it's even broader, I think, really captures. There might, might be a lot of people who'd be like, but I'm, I'm anti-racist, you know. Right, right. I even retweeted Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. stuff, and I, I think the racism is terrible. We're still caught up in it. There's no just being whited mm-hmm. in America makes us tools of other people's racism in all sorts of different mm-hmm. ways with uh, uh, interaction with what with uh, housing discrimination and so on so it might not be my fault if i go to check out an apartment and i'm given favorable treatment mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i'm seen as a um, positive potential tenant not knowing that that landlord is displacing people of color. Like i yeah, that might be right. it might not be my fault, right. But I'm caught up in it. Right, right. I'm totally. caught up. We're all we all have to do societal mm-hmm. change. So to me, that's really our tradition telling us nachnu chatanu. That's a core part of of our Yom Kippur worship and that really animates our spiritual life the rest of the year. Yeah. We are accountable for the sins of our ancestors that we're caught up in. Mm-hmm.
0: Fascinating. You know, the other layer is it's been suggested by many that the only reason America uh, became a superpower was because of the greatest exploitation of, of slavery right. in, in human history. And I wonder, is there now a debt to the global south or to other countries where we had a major competitive advantage yeah. and we're able to exploit not only slaves in America, but essentially uh, countries around the world because of that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, some of the mafarshim on and some it's not them, just yeah, America, yeah. France to Haiti. Oh and yeah, like, yeah it's,
1: it, reparations are not just in American slavery mm-hmm. context. It's I think part of what the Torah case for reparations. Yeah. I I played it out yeah. with most focus on this lane, but I think it's a theological orientation. Mm-hmm. We are a reparations oriented people. Yeah, we yeah. believe that when there has been uh, exploitation and theft it has to be remunerated yeah
0: yeah so some of the, those mafarshim, some of those commentators on um that particular stira, that contradiction in verses you pointed out uh explain that um uh that i am responsible for those sins because i am likely as we know empirically to still be doing what my ancestors did yeah. and i might frame it as ancestors maybe it's a mitigating factor but it's not an excuse. I can't say, oh, I'm just doing what my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did, but it's a a small mitigating factor because I'm doing what I was raised to do, and yet you're still responsible. And so I wonder, how do we think both about the difference between perpetuation versus privilege? I have inherited the power and privilege that has come from from this, Um, and so there's a responsibility, even if I'm not still perpetuating certain crimes, Versus, I am still uh, a perpetrator of that yeah. of that history yeah. um, as well. You know, is there a yeah. different responsibility that emerges from? You know?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I don't know how much right that would play out yeah. in terms of like if you know if HR forty was passed into yeah. law, the congressional yeah. committee was formed. Like how much because mainly we'd be talking about like tax structures and distribution mm-hmm. that would be mm-hmm. national and but. Yeah, in Akinami, I think people who more actively perpetuate racism or more actively um, uh, uh, hold on to and hoard their privilege Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are more guilty and more liable than people who are trying to undo it and trying to resist but are also part of the system. Or people in the middle who aren't necessarily paying attention. So, yeah... Granted, I think if somebody, you know, I think if you, um, if you are aware that the business that you inherited from your parents was built with stolen money and you intentionally continued to like not do anything to redress it, then yeah, you're Mm -hmm. more obligated, Mm -hmm. more liable than somebody Mm -hmm. who's not owning a company at all. Um, But, and that, you know, that's, I think, largely a theological question. Right. I think that's less of a, that's less of a political question, mm-hmm. um, more of a theological yeah, one. I'd yeah. be like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the work you should be doing.
0: How do you think about justice versus healing? Um, now, I, I, I think yeah. we should prioritize justice versus uh, over-healing. But, for example, if you compare the Nazi reparations, not yeah. Nazi, German reparations, yeah, yeah. Uh, there we see uh, justice. Well, we can't call that justice. So a small piece of justice takes place. Yeah. And I don't know if that leads to healing or not. Probably not. But yeah. then you look at South Africa, right. a truth and reconciliation process right. that is not involved right. in reparations, right. but is engaged in a healing kind of dialogue right. process. What do we learn from those two cases about yeah. anything? And do you think that this would clearly lead to some justice around social mobility? Yeah. But does it? would it lead to any form of white-black healing or, more importantly, black healing?
1: You know, I'll, I'll mainly defer yeah. to others on that. Well, I'll say, like, ta Coates, in his article... The Case for Reparations if you haven't read it yet you gotta do it um, um, The Atlantic 2013 republished in uh, We Were Eight Years in Power in any event he addresses that at the end and the end sort of begins to hedge like most of the article he's making the case based on monetary plunder not just slavery but yeah, also right, like right. the whole section on uh, discriminatory housing in Chicago and so on um, and then, in the end, as he brings it, he widens the 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 lens to a more spiritual um, view of like ending white guilt, ending just like the sickness of America. He mentions South African Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, and in an interesting way, he seems to open the door for a reparations process not even really dealing with all the dollars. And he got some criticism for that. I haven't read all of it. I'm not... Mm-hmm. My my general orientation is that, for the most part, um, well, I think that remuneration and healing and relationship building always go hand in hand. And because you're never finished with yeah. one, you can't wait till one is finished right. to start the second one. Like, there's a degree to which the plunder... Any, any price tag we put on it will be under shooting yeah. it by a lot which is what our rabbinic literature hints at in the Talmud and Sanhedrin mm-hmm. when generations later the Egyptians sue uh, B'nai Israel and Alexander the Great's court right. for all that stuff you took from us and they're like oh you want to play that game alright we'll counter sue you for repar- for yeah. wages for all the you know hundreds of years of unpaid labor and then the Egyptians don't show up in court the next day. So, like, the implication is that whatever price tag we put on it is actually under shooting. Mm-hmm. Be that as it may, I do think that for the most part the remunerations has to proceed. Uh, I, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm not well-read. I'm not... Mm-hmm. certainly do certainly not mm-hmm. a scholar on the history of the South mm-hmm. African truth and reconciliation process and what's happened in the, the subsequent years. And so if... Anything I'm about to say is actually mm-hmm. wrong. I, I mm-hmm. defer to anybody. My impression is that it's been a mixed process. Yeah. It definitely led to some... Imp- there were, it didn't just lead to it. it was mm-hmm. important. I don't underestimate the importance of being able to face your oppressor and name mm-hmm. it and have them have to listen to it. But when you know that the structural poverty um, that they caused is going to go... Uncorrected, and that the the condition for them showing up and agreeing to participate in the Truth and Reconciliation Commit- Commission was the knowledge that they're not going to be held accountable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it loses a lot. So okay. per- personally, I've been thinking about it more in terms of of actual monetary mm-hmm. reparations, and even with the understanding that it may be insufficient Mm -hmm. but let's Mm -hmm. get hr 40 into law let's create this congressional commission to really study it to really study how to do it or at least how to start yeah and a lot of that's got to start um monetarily yeah
0: okay fascinating last question for you so um, what about the the American Jew who says, "But I'm not an ancestor of slave yeah, owners. Yeah,
1: right. uh,
0: I'm not a descendant. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, descendant." Yeah. Um, and of course, Jews were slave owners, like everyone who lived right. in the South, or, or most white yeah, folks, well, white yeah. Jews. Um, but the majority of Jews today are not descendants right. of yeah. Southern slave owners. They're right. immigrants. And so, what do you make of of that response?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's an interesting question because, like, the language of these of the Midrash and the Sifra mm-hmm. and in the Torah itself, in Vayikra is Avotam, your direct ancestors. And it's, it's a little bit slippery because does the Torah mean your literal ancestors or your forebears? Right. It is, in, in the curses in Vayikra 26, it is talking about generational, mm-hmm. ongoing generational sin, which already points mm-hmm. towards something beyond genetic or family connection. But where mm-hmm. I think this really gets the most power I mean, to close back with the Rambam, um, Rambam has a very famous letter um, to um, a person named Ovadia. Ovadia, who was a convert, Ovadia Hager, writes this letter to the Rambam dripping with pathos. It's like, it's really, I mean, I, we don't have, to my knowledge, Ovadia's actual letter, but mm-hmm. we have the Rambam quoting parts mm-hmm. of it back in the introduction mm-hmm. to his response. And the pathos are dripping. So Ovadia is a, righteous uh, convert who loves Torah and mitzvot and is observing it with great, you know, commitment and alacrity. And he writes to the Rambam and he lists all these parts of the liturgy. And he's saying, can I say, Eloheinu v'lehavoteinu, our God and God of our ancestors? Can I take an aliyah to the Torah and Mm -hmm. say, asher bachar banu praise are you God who chose us Mm -hmm. from among the nations? Am I part of us if I... My ancestors weren't mm-hmm. there. Um, the Rambam... And a lot of people, when they read this letter of the Rambam, are shocked because it's so... It, they take it as a given that in yeah. Judaism... Yeah. Of course, converts are total Jews for everything and say, and we're like, yeah, it's like this, you know, mythic thing that happens by coming out of the mikvah and accepting... Retroactive. Like, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you were there in Mount Sinai yeah. and we just... But the source for that is this letter from the Rambam yeah. Yeah. to an actual convert. And there was some controversy around this. Um, and he's very forceful about it and says that, like, no. Like, when Avraham uh, made his commitments, when Avraham, like, bequeathed this um, um, this legacy, not only to his genetic descendants, but to the people he tried yeah. to influence, that affects all of us. By entering into the covenant, you are a child mm-hmm. of Avraham mm-hmm. and everything else. That is... The Jewish approach to nationhood, to being part of something. So to me, I think it's it would be very strange for a Jewish person who lives in with with regard to Jewish life, who lives with that kind of orientation Mm -hmm. for whom, of course, Jews by choice. Say etc for that person to say oh but but Washington and Jefferson weren't my ancestors, actually, my people were mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the Ukraine at that time, yeah, you know, and also I would push back and say, Have you ever taken off work for July fourth right or right. gone to a parade?" Yeah. Have you ever gone to a basketball game and stood up for the national anthem? Mm-hmm. Do you know the words? Do you ever pledge allegiance when you, if you went yeah. to school? Um, certainly, if, you, if you've done any of those things, yeah. if you've embraced the American mythology, if you've related to Washington and Jefferson as the founding fathers... Then you can't now come and say, but uh, they're the founding fathers as long as they're not responsible for yeah, the bad things that right, they did. You've embraced right, them right. as your people. Constitutional
0: you, benefits, yeah. Right.
1: Did you get excited about Hamilton right. beyond yeah, right. your You know, there are some people who just like love every musical yeah, or like yeah. love nerd rap or something. Right, right. But the, the, the people who are like never listen to rap music and don't go to musicals, but were super excited about oh, yeah. Hamilton, yeah. you're into the American mythology and you right. consider it your own. Right. Um, The more, but even beyond that, even if you're not, even if you take a knee during the national anthem and you think it's bogus that slave owners like Washington or you know, or uh, uh, or like Andrew Jackson, who, who was responsible for the Trail of Tears and genocide, like that, they're on the money, and you think Harry Tubman should be in their place, even if you think that and you're not really a patriot in this way, you're still protected by the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. If yeah. you travel abroad, you've got that right. passport. Right. And I think that that's the same way that, like, you know, I think rabbinic language for that might be, like, you know, once you've converted in, or some ancestors of yours yeah. converted in, and now you're just a right. Jew, and now you're not so into it anymore, yeah. and you're <laughs> angry at God, or you don't do the vote, or whatever right. the case may be, you're still in that's it. Right. Um, and you're, you're um, mm-hmm. Israel, 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 who, Like Jews are still like liable for it. So I think um, it. I, I've heard Jewish people make that argument mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very strange argument for a Jewish person to make. That doesn't it to make that argument. You'd have to have a completely unrelated. Quarantine. You have to have a, a relationship to Torah and Jewish yeah. life that is totally quarantined from your civic life. Right. And that's not something I see uh, playing out in other ways mm-hmm. in Jewish life, often among those same people who are, you know, the whole, like, reformed, conservative, modern, yeah. orthodox Jewish life. And even part of the Haredi world, like, that are um, involved in lobbying yeah. on issues yeah. of Jewish right. concern. We're part of this thing um it's very different than like some countries the jews lived in the past where it was like we're laying low we don't take responsibility (laughs) for any of this jews are jews are part of the american Mm -hmm. story we're well represented in elected government and and, in the courts and so on we're part of it and um if if we if we live in the world of the rambam where um the fact of opting into a story means that we're responsible for everything that happened right. in the past. You can't be selective about yeah. what we pick from mm-hmm. George Washington's mm-hmm. cherry tree. Mm-hmm. Like, if, we're, if we benefit from right. the, the fruits of it, yeah. we're also responsible for the enslavement, the genocide of natives, and everything. Right. It's all one. We're part of it
0: all. Fascinating together. stuff. Make sure to check out Arya's article in Medium. We'll post it below, and a, lo- a longer podcast coming out later today on slave operations, and another on violence in rabbinic thought. Thanks so much.